0: This is episode number 334 with Yasmeen Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? beautiful. This episode is brought to you by Bio Optimizers. You guys know I'm a massive health nut. And what I've learned through all my study is that there's one mineral that you need to make sure that you're getting enough of, and that is magnesium. Now, magnesium is the body's master mineral, powering over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, and digestion. Now most supplements contain only one to two forms of magnesium when there are seven that your body needs and benefits from. The good news is is that when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, to pain and inflammation. It all improves and fast. That's why I'm so excited that my friends over at BioOptimizers have formulated Magnesium Breakthrough, the ultimate magnesium supplement with all seven forms of magnesium. For 10% off with the code MELISSA, head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash MELISSA. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Biooptimizers optimizers are so confident that you're going to like it that they'll give you all your money back if you don't. So head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Melissa to get yourself some magnesium today. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, also known as IIN. I studied at IIN in 2011 and it honestly changed my life. No joke. Not only did it give me the tools that I was desiring to reclaim my health after experiencing severe burnout and ending up in hospital, which you can read all about in my first book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, but it set me on my career path that I'm on now. It also lit a fire in my belly for helping others and being of service. I went from an aspiring blogger to health coach, to speaker, best-selling author and podcaster with a thriving seven-figure global business. And guess what? it all started with IIM. It paved the way for me, which is why I'm such an advocate for their program and why I'm one of their top ambassadors. And because I'm one of their top ambassadors, I get to offer you a special discount of up to $2,150 off your tuition. How cool is that? So, Whether you want to do this course for yourself so that you can arm yourself with all the knowledge that you need for you and your family to really thrive, or whether you're a yoga teacher, a personal trainer, a health writer, and you want to add another tool to your toolkit, or whether you want an entirely new career as a certified holistic health coach, IIN is for you. To claim your $2,150 off your tuition, all we have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash IIN right now. Yasmin bravely stepped away from her career as a beauty and wellness writer to pursue a soul calling she never expected, which was planning unforgettable funerals and end-of-life events. Through her business, Rite of Passage Funerals, she helps families create meaningful, personalized and impactful funerals that use ceremony, rituals and creativity to shift the paradigm of what death, dying and funerals should look like. From epic styled events to intimate gatherings, moving memorials, natural burials and funerals that leave you uplifted and inspired. She is passionate about bringing death out of the shadows and into the light. In addition to planning funerals, she also offers funeral pre-planning services, educating people on their end of life options and has multiple free downloads on her website from writing your spiritual will to knowing what to say when someone dies. She has also created bespoke urns and keepsake jewelry. This conversation is like nothing else I've had on this show and I'm so excited for you guys to dive in because we chat about how she went from a beauty and wellness writer to planning unforgettable funerals and end of life events with heart and meaning. We also talk about how to prepare for death and the concept of conscious dying, how the acceptance and honouring of death leads to the joyful celebration and treasuring of life, how to ritualize and create a sacred ceremony around someone's passing, what is a spiritual will and why preparation and planning will bring ease to your soul and your loved ones, what death and looking at death has taught her and how it's changed her life, the powerful energy protection ritual she does before heading to a funeral or into any situation, and how to open the conversation about death with your loved ones, plus so much more. And for everything that we chat about in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrassini forward slash three three four. And before we dive in, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it is a five star review from Shell Tinkerbell, and it's titled "Life Changing, Inspirational." And Shell says, "Melissa, you're an angel." your podcast has and is changing me and my life so much. I love your books and I love how real you are and that you are a life-changing game changer. Thank you for you and all you are doing. Thank you so much, Shell. That is so beautiful. I'm so grateful. That's extremely kind. I'm honored. I'm touched. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you love the show. And as a little thank you gift to anyone who leaves me a review just send me an email to hello melissa ambrosini.com and i want to gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation and for anyone who wants to get my bursting with love guided meditation all you have to do is leave me a review on amazon for mastering your mango or open wide or both and send me a screenshot and i'll send that over to you and now let's dive in let's bring on the super inspiring Yasmeen throllop We are finally here. I'm so excited to chat to you, darling. Before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: Sure. My hubby makes me these smoothies and the one at the moment is chai and cacao and it's so delicious. So it's raw cacao with cloves, which is what give it that chai flavour. Frozen banana, nut milk, chia seeds, all of these delicious little treats that taste beautiful and it's
0: such a nice way to start the day. Oh my gosh, can you please deliver me one of those right now? (laughs) Through the screen, through the screen. (laughs) Oh honey, I'm so excited to chat to you because I have not had anyone on my podcast talk about spiritual wills, planning your own funerals and celebrating death. So I'm excited to dive into these topics with you today. But first, how did you go from being a beauty and fashion writer to doing this work? How did this unfold for you?
1: Oh my goodness. I know it's so left field, but I think like with any kind of soul calling, it's breadcrumbs along the way. And that really was kind of the case for me. I grew up in a family where we never really talked about death. If we asked kind of, you know, normal questions, like so many of us, my parents just kind of wanted to protect us and say, oh, that's never going to happen to us. And, you know, you don't need to think about those things, but then it did nearly happen in five years ago, my mom had an allergic reaction to her chemo treatment and within 24 hours was in ICU with multi-organ failure. And the doctor had kind of said to us, it really depends on how your mum responds to treatment. Thankfully, she did pull through. But in that moment, we had really no idea what would transpire over the next... I mean, it ended up being a couple of weeks she was in ICU. But in that moment that the doctor was telling us those things, I really came to a few realisations. One was how completely unprepared I was for death. So many of us are, but I think in a way, having been so sheltered from it, it was just so unbelievable to me. Like I actually really couldn't believe that something could happen because, you know, you think your parents are invincible and that nothing could ever happen to them. So that was my first realization that, oh my gosh, something that I had really believed my whole life is coming crumbling down. And the second was, well, hang on a 2nd if mum dies, how do we honor her life? The the choices that I had in front of me just really didn't fit how I would want to honor my mum's life. I wanted her funeral to be a celebration of her life and something really cool and modern and beautiful. And typically speaking, when you think of what a traditional funeral is, it's really not any of those things or especially not what I particularly was looking for. So that was definitely the first breadcrumb where the seed was planted and I started to think about looking at death in a different way and honouring and celebrating life in a different way. And then in 2017, it really dropped in when my Husband and I, and our two young boys, I had a 10 month old at the time and a three and a half year old. We sold all our belongings, our house in Sydney, everything that we owned, and packed our bags and moved to America. And we were going to start another business there, actually. And we decided that when we got there, that just wasn't the path for us. But then there was this moment of free fall like, oh my goodness, (laughs) we've just literally sold everything and thought that we were on this path that, that, was the right one for us. And now we're on the other side of the world and don't know what to do. And it really turned out to be a blessing because we ended up staying there for 10 months and just having a really beautiful holiday and lots of time to contemplate and really think about how we can make a difference and what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to get back into media. I didn't want to get back into beauty and health writing. And I loved it at the time, but it just definitely wasn't lighting me up anymore. And it really was over that time that I discovered, I was actually reading an article in The Economist about how in Europe, they're getting their crematoriums architecturally designed to change people's perception of death. And when I was reading this article, I had this full body experience. It was like so visceral, every cell in my body came alive. And, and I was just like, yep, yeah, this is where I need to be. And I was kind of flashing back to that time in ICU with mom and all of the pieces came together. And From there, I kind of have set about creating rite of passage funerals and everything that goes about it,
0: and I love it.
1: I love Mm. it so
0: much. So how do you prepare for death?
1: Well, I think it's really about honouring the reality of death, surrendering to the reality of death. And there's kind of a movement that started about 30 years ago here in the West called Conscious Dying, and what the principle of that is is really using the inevitability of death to be more kind, more peaceful, more empowered in your life right now. So many of us like there's just no conversation around it. There's so much conscious and unconscious fear around death that it's kind of like this other it's like on the other side of the curtain and unless you are touched by it, someone close to you dies or or you experience it firsthand, it's kind of just something that's you really don 't think about or talk about, but preparing for it really just come, it comes in a way of honoring it and accepting it and not and really trying to overcome your fear of it and that 's done in multiple ways i 've had to walk that journey myself because this was all so new to me as i said i hadn 't really ever talked about death or thought about death. I was scared of death like everyone and that 's not to say of course i 'm not now i 'm a mother to two young boys and The thought of anything happening to them or me is like everyone else, but it's how you learn to then cope with that and use that to really empower you in the here and now.
0: Mm, Looking at death can really make you live, you know, make you truly live, like contemplating death every day and waking up and going, this could be my last day it can really not in a morbid way but it can really make you live and i know for me it was february 2016 my best friend passed away from cancer and it wasn't until then that i'd ever really thought about it kind of like the same as your parents mine were like oh you don't need to worry about that doll well yeah like it happens to everybody it's the only thing that we know that is certain So I can totally relate to you when you say that. So why do you think we need to celebrate it?
1: I think it's more of an honouring than celebrating because for everyone it's going to look so different. But I think honouring death allows you to honour and celebrate life. So it's like you can't have one without the other. We are human. We all have two sides to us. There's light and dark. There's shadow. There's all of these things. And it's the same with life and death. So you can't have life without death and you can't have death without life. So by really honoring and accepting and leaning into all of the discomfort that comes up around death, there's so many gifts in this. It's like that fear and and really exploring and excavating the fears and your feelings and your beliefs and your realities and all of that stuff around death can really take you deeper into your spiritual practice and it can help you to evolve and. Yeah, really come to have a deep gratitude for your life. I know for me that has absolutely been the case. And and it's also it's just not sweating the small stuff anymore because use I work in the realm of the really, really big stuff, probably the biggest thing. You know, I'm planning funerals for families, I'm helping people through this transition and this really epic time in their life. And then to come home and worry about you know the dishes not being done or things like that you you kind of it puts everything into perspective and i think that's such a massive gift mm-hmm. and also yeah just appreciating the little things in the everyday and i know for sure from experience I, i'm so much more empowered i really want to make a difference i'm really passionate about my life things that have i didn't i always had but definitely not to this extent and i know that since really coming in and working in this this field of work.
0: Mm. I know with my friend passing in 2016 it was definitely a celebration like a celebration of her life it was so beautiful we had two ceremonies there was like a smaller intimate ceremony and then there was like a bigger celebration with like thousands of people and there was singing and a band playing and there was lots of sp- speaking and beautiful montages of images and videos and it was really really beautiful it was a beautiful celebration and everyone wore beautiful colorful dresses to you know represent her and it was really beautiful so tell us about how your rite of passage funerals are different to what most people have probably experienced or see in the movies well, I think the
1: whole process is different in that the way that we actually plan the end of life event isn't set on like a set template. It can really be anything from a pre-planning I've done, for example, is the man loved bushwalking. So he's pre-planned his funeral in advance. He's perfectly healthy. But instead of having a service as such, he wants to have almost a pilgrimage where his friends scatter his ashes through his favorite bush trail. And then at the end, there's a picnic set up. And a lot of the other ones I've done, I get lots of styling in. I get styling and catering and really kind of bring as much personal involvement from the family as well as from my side as well, just doing as much as I can to to make it feel like this is an event specifically for that person. We do living wakes, memorials.
0: Hey, wait, whoa, what's a living wake? What's so a living
1: wake is if you have to say terminally ill and you wanna be at your own funeral, you have a living wake. So it's an opportunity for you to say farewell to people on your terms and you hear all of the tributes and have a big party and do the things that you want to do. Maybe afterwards, your family might have a very small ceremony just to ritualize the actual death taking place, but a living lake is a funeral where the person who is dying is actually there. Wow. Yeah. So it's really rethinking the paradigm of how we can ritualize and create ceremony around death. And I think the biggest difference is that for me, there are no rules. It's like really talking with the family, and it's a co creation of something that represents what they need and what the person who's died needs as well and really coming together to create an event that is really personal and unique and really fabulous. Oh,
0: yes. It sounds like, you know, it's so beautiful that you can do that. Even things down like the flowers, like what flowers would that person have wanted? Like what music? Would they have wanted music? Would they have wanted everyone to wear black? Would they have wanted everyone to wear all colour? And I think unless you have spoken about it or you have a spiritual will, which I want to talk to you about, then how would people know? The thing is, is like, I'd never even thought about a will either until I got married. So I've been married for over six and a half years. And when we got married, my husband's like, oh, you know, I've got to update my will. And I was like, oh, he's like, have you got a will? And I was like, no, I I don't. Like I was 28 years old at the time. I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, okay, honey, like, you know, it's time to put your big girl grown up pants on and like look at this. And so we used this incredible company called Legal Consolidated. It's legalconsolidated.com.au. And the guy, his name is Brett Davies. It's an Australian firm. And they are the only firm that provide legal documents online. So if you want a will that walks you through step by step with videos, then definitely check these guys out, Brett Davies at Legal Consolidated. The great thing is is that you become a client of the firm and you can update your will at any time for free, which is amazing because most places or firms, they charge you every time to update it. So for all the Australians listening, I just wanted to share that information with you and I'll put it in the show notes as well. And if you're in the US, and I'm sure you've got some Tips and tricks as well. But if you're in the US, I just looked up some other services. There's like Rocket Lawyer, LegalZoom, Total Legal, something like that. But it's really important that if you've got assets, if you've got a partner, if you've got children, like don't be fooled in thinking that you can just kind of get those, you know, one of those packs that you get from the shops and be done with it. It's really something that you do need to look at. And the will that we did, we just recently updated it like a couple of months ago. And in it, we got to write out all of our wishes, like what we wanted the ceremony to be like and things like that. And, you know, mine is beautiful and it's on the beach and there's music and I want everyone to wear color and I want this person to sing this song and I want Nick to do this and things like that. And there was also a part in there where you could write letters to like your husband or Your children, or anyone, you could write these letters. And so I took this time and I wrote all these letters, and it was such a beautiful thing to do. It was a beautiful exercise. And then I also talk a lot about doing the eulogy exercise. And for me, like writing out my own eulogy was a really empowering way to make me live more in the moment. Like, I thought, what do I want to be remembered for? What do I want people to say in my eulogy? Like, what do I want to be known for? What is the legacy I want to leave? And so all of these things are things that a lot of people don't think about. They don't even want to go there, but it's something that we do have to look at and we can do it in a spiritual way. So what is a spiritual will? You talk about a spiritual will. What is your definition of a spiritual will and how do you do it? Yeah,
1: so I actually wrote. It's a free download, and it's for heart heart-centered steps to writing a spiritual will. And spiritual will, also called like an ethical will, is like you said, like you've done, a way for you to write a letter to your loved ones. But also, you can write it to people that you have grievances with that you don't want to carry with you anymore. It's almost like soul contracts that that you want to kind of. It's a really empowering exercise to do when you're fit and healthy. So many people think that thinking about end of life is either for for the elderly or the very sick but really, it's for anyone. And I really feel like, as you said, like there's so much goodness in just taking the time to sit down and think about this. Mm-hmm. So with The Spiritual Will, I've created this template where it talks about, well, it lets you look at your life with a magnifying glass. So your core beliefs, the traditions that are really meaningful to you, your favorite memories and stories. And really what it's doing is it's forming your legacy and what you want to pass down to you know, your children or your loved ones or whoever you're going to Write this will to. Mm -hmm. So, the template allows you to really look at these sections of your life. I call them the big life questions and really drill down into them. And then from there, you can write these beautiful letters. And it just gives a little bit of structure to people who want to do this. And I've just found it so beautiful and also really like I really feel this sense of accomplishment doing it and at peace knowing, uh, you know, I've said to my hubby, if something happens, the boys have both of their letters on the. This is where they're saved. And it's just knowing that if something was to happen suddenly, which of course I don't walk around thinking that it's, it's just a reality of life. We don't know. I just know that I've done that for my children and, and it's, it's really important for me personally that I've done that. And I just wanted to share that with people because it is such a gift. And in terms of pre-planning as well, it's so important to to look at all this stuff because I see the other side of it, Mel. I see when people call me and say, you know, my son, my husband, my father has just passed away and and I need a funeral director. I need someone who can help me. And I see the difficulty when they haven't been any plans that have been made, and how already at such a difficult time they're having to make all these decisions in their acute grief stage? And there is a lot, I think, although maybe what people don't understand is there are so many decisions that need to be made in a relatively short period of time in order to create a a funeral, even a basic funeral. And so the more of those boxes that can be ticked, where it's like, yeah, Mel wants to have a funeral at the beach, great. The locations at the beach, like as much detail as possible, eliminate such a massive burden on the family when you do pass away. So it's so important. So I've actually just launched an e-course where it helps people pre-plan everything the way that I do it. So it's, you know, really talking about these questions, setting the theme and the styling and the catering and looking at the venues and all of the options, because there are so many options. There really are so many things to talk about and so many options when it comes to end of life. And I'm really passionate about it. I think it's so important that people kind of understand you know, what's involved because when it does happen, it's a shock. So the more educated you are, like with anything, you know, knowledge is power. The more you kind of a can focus on your grief, which is the most important thing just to be really honoring that at that time and be making sure that you have the ceremony and the ritual
0: that you you need for your healing to take place. Mm, Definitely and we'll link to the download and the e-course in the show notes so people can go and check that out. So how has this made you live more? Like how has this impacted your life? Like on a very micro level, how has it changed your life? Oh my goodness. Oh gosh, I
1: honestly don't even know where to begin because there's so many layers of this for me because it's also a business, like it's also starting something from scratch and carving out this creation from nothing in, in an industry where this really isn't being done to this degree. So it's brought me a lot closer. The actual navigation of of leaning into this discomfort of death, exploring that side of me from a spiritual perspective, has given me strength that I never knew that I had. I was always quite a fearful child, actually. I was always scared of everything. I was scared of the dark. I was scared of being robbed. I was—I really had a lot of fears all of my life. And it isn't until I've started to do the work in this kind of space that I've found I'm actually really courageous. And yeah, we all get scared and we all have these fears, but before I, I, I feared the fear, whereas now I found this inner strength in me that allows me to overcome or, or at least surrender to the fear and not let it stop me. And that is one of the biggest gifts that this has given me. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people can take away from death because it's so universally feared. So, finding strength for sure. I think gratitude for life 100%. I've just grown in every imaginable way. I really have. I really feel like I've stepped into my power through this process. So it's definitely been hard at times. It's been so hard at times. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I should just go and get it.
0: Hard as in the work or as in watching people, like being at the funerals? Like what is hard? Funnily enough, I I really find
1: deep connection with everyone that I help. And I've had to find a way to not take on their grief because then yeah. I couldn't keep doing what I'm doing. Of course, it's hard. Of course, it's hard walking into a family who have just lost lost someone, a room full of devastated people. But it's I find that lost. that actually works to my strengths because I am quite upbeat and positive. And mm. the, the general feedback that I always get is, oh my gosh, you were this light that came into our lives when we really needed it. Mm. And so I feel like I'm I'm... It's such a gift that I can give them light and love and some kind of sense of hope and joy when they really need it most. Yes. So that I love. I love that stuff. I don't find that hard. I find it really healing and beautiful. I think it's more the personal work from my end that has that's made it hard on me. Probably made it hard on myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you mean like looking at it yourself, like looking at death yourself? Mm, yeah for sure just having to get really comfortable with it like I, in order to do what i
1: do i have to be really comfortable with death you know i i help wash and bathe you know dead bodies i'm i'm there every step of the way and i'd never done that before so i've really had to get comfortable with every aspect of death and that's that's been hard in some instances and, and not in others
0: wow this is huge. It's huge. It's huge stuff. And I can only imagine like looking at it face on is just going to take you deeper within yourself, way deeper. So it is a blessing. How do you protect yourself from, you know, like potentially carrying their grief or, and this is not just about, you know, I want anyone listening to Take something away from this? Like, you know, whether someone is sad or angry or frustrated or they're trying to project something onto you, how do you protect yourself so that no one else can be an energy vampire?
1: Yes, and I do. I think that this is something that everyone can take away from, be it in this space but just in everyday life, I've had to set really firm boundaries. I've had to get really firm within my own boundaries. And that's something that I realized I another gift of this and that I was always such a giver, but getting really strong and firm in my own boundaries is one. Two is I do have to learn to disconnect a little bit in terms of just holding space for sure, but not taking on other people's grief. I just can't do it. So just giving as much as I can, but also just using meditation, kinesiology, essential oils, things like that, just to really protect myself, protect my energy because the heaviness of grief is, is so epic. It's, I couldn't, I don't think, mom and life and do all the things I needed to do if I was carrying around that as well. So there's definitely, you know, tools that I use for that
0: do you have any rituals that you do before you go to a funeral? Like, do you do a protective white light meditation? Do you do like something like that and use essential oils, like protective oils? Do you do like a little particular ritual? And if so, can you share it with us?
1: Yeah, sure. I normally just sit for a few minutes just before I go out to me- always before I meet the family and before the funeral. So any kind of point of contact, so Often what happens is I'll get a call and then I'll meet with the family for the planning. So before I do that, I do this ritual and then again on the day of the funeral and any time in between. So I just sit and take a few deep breaths. I just get really, really centred and then I imagine my own kind of boundary setting. So kind of like it's a big electric fence really and sometimes it's bright pink, sometimes it's white and I just kind of make that boundary really, really strong. So it's a visualization meditation. Take a few deep breaths. I then have like a protect essence that my kinesiologist gave me. So I rub that between my hands, place it on my heart. And I just say that my energy is now protected, you know, on all dimensions and kind of then breathe it in, just take a few minutes. And then I really feel like that's all I need to do. It's just enough just to ground me, center me, and then I'm able to kind of go out
0: there and do what I need to do. And you can do that in any situation. If you are going to a big family event and there's a cousin who, you know, always likes to attack you or bring you down in some way, or there's a, a bossy boss or something like that, like do this protection exercise, you know, take some deep breaths, visualize a fence or a white bubble or something like that, and then use an essential oil to really ground you and protect you. It's such a beautiful little ritual to do before you step out into any situation. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. I personally do something very similar. I have my protective white light meditation where I sit breathe and I visualize myself in like a white protective bubble. So like any energy kind of like pings off me, you know, like they just like reflect back. So I visualize that and then I use an oil, place that on my heart as well, take a few deep breaths and then just rub the oil on my body wherever I need it. And it's such a beautiful ritual to do to really protect yourself and put that boundary. So I love that you do that. Do you want to become a certified integrative health practitioner? Well, my health guru and one of my all-time favorite humans, Dr. Stephen Cabral, who's a naturopathic, functional medicine and Ayurvedic doctor, created a life-changing health coaching training. This is perfect for anyone who wants to take their health to the next level, add another tool to their current toolkit, or create an entirely new career for yourself as an integrative health practitioner. This is the first of a kind that fuses ancient Ayurvedic wisdom and prioritizes whole body holistic healing. It very carefully takes into consideration that everyone is extremely different with different body types. So there's no one size fits all approach here, which I love and totally agree with. His approach is about understanding that the body seeks equilibrium. So his program is all about bringing your body back into balance as quickly as possible. So this program is so in-depth and insightful. It's for anyone who wants to take their health or their family's health to the next level. Trust me, and I have seen this firsthand when Nick went from struggling after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars over many years and just not being able to get the answers or support he needed to now being in the best shape of his life with unstoppable energy and a sense of balance and calm that is truly inspiring. It's also for anyone who is already in the health and wellness field and wants to uplevel their knowledge and skills, or for anyone who wants an entirely new career as a certified integrative health practitioner. This program is all online, which is awesome, so you can go at your own pace. And it has got me so excited, so excited, in fact, that I'm offering an epic bonus to anyone who signs up using my special link. So head to MelissaAmbrosini.com forward slash Cabral, that's C-A-B-R-A-L, to check out all the details and to take control of your health and your future today. I want to know what is the difference between a will, like a quote unquote normal will, and a spiritual will? What is the difference?
1: A spiritual will is really just, I guess, your emotional. So a a traditional will is all of your assets and your finances and things like that. And it sounds like yours is great because it has so many other added things in there. But a spiritual will is really just your soul's kind of your emotional side of what you want to be passed down. So with a traditional will, you know, I want this asset to be passed down to this person and I want this to be passed down to this person. But a spiritual will is like, okay, what are the really important parts of my spiritual life that I want to gift and and pay forward and, and pass on to future generations? And that's really the difference. It's purely one is just like emotional and spiritual and all of that stuff, whereas, yeah traditional will as the other stuff.
0: Yeah, I love that because, you know, I talk a lot about this in my books, in my work, in my podcast, everything. When you look at something like this, when you look at death, when you are doing a spiritual will, you really are looking at the legacy that you want to leave. Like how do you want to be remembered? And you know, that eulogy exercise that I get people to do It's really a powerful thing to do because it makes you look at okay, well, what am I doing today to reflect the legacy that I want to leave? Like, if I want to leave a legacy, or if I want people to remember me for being optimistic and grateful and bubbly, am I being that today? Like, it's a really beautiful thing to do. And I'm not sure if you're aware of Bronnie Ware's "The Top Five Regrets of the Dying." Have you read that book?
1: no I haven't read it but I've heard about it
0: oh it's incredible I've had Bronnie on my podcast and I'll link to that in the show notes but she has these top five regrets of the dying you know she was working as a palliative care nurse and she was watching these people transition and there was these common regrets that she just kept on hearing and she came up with these top five common ones and when I read that book years ago I thought wow I don't want to get to the end of my life and have any of those regrets. So what do I need to shift now in order for that to be my reality? So this is why I love that looking at death can make you fully live now in the moment to your fullest as the best version of you. Yeah, no, I so agree with that, Mel. And the thing is, I kind
1: of described death as the last frontier of this spiritual movement. Like you know we all do yoga we do our affirmations we do we do all of the things to live a more empowered and meaningful life right now and those things all play their part it's and they're so great yet there's this one aspect that people uh, and I know I did I mean I can't speak for everyone but I was not even looking at and that's the one inevitable it's it's death and so it really is the last frontier of this kind of as we grow as humans and as we evolve well that's where we're all heading to this is the one same destination that we all are heading to yet it's so undervalued it's so feared it's so repressed especially in the west in the east they they have amazing rituals and amazing kind of the way that they look at life and death is is very different it's just kind of you know the norm and a real deep part of their culture. But I think here we, we miss out on that a little bit. And of course, there's amazing people doing amazing things in this space. And I just think having these important conversations is, is where to start and and kind of breaking down the barriers of this, the death being this dark, morbid. I mean, even the little emoji for death is that scary little like skeleton thing, you know, that's the vision that, that people have. And it, it, promote so much fear but when you go okay I'm doing all of these things too as you say you know I want to be remembered for all of the things that are important to me in this lifetime and this is the direction that I'm heading so yeah how can I take steps now in the everyday knowing that I'm there and then how can I actually make that transition from life and death really sacred, Mm. not just for me as I transition, but for my family. How can I make it easier for them? How can I make it more sacred? How can I add ritual and ceremony? And it's not scary. It's Mm. not scary looking at this stuff. It's, it can be so beautiful and so enlightening. And so, yeah, I just think talking about it is, is the first place to start so people can maybe some little seeds can get planted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember a few years ago when I updated mine, I thought, I want to ask my parents if, you know, I'm presumed they had a will. And I just said to them, I was like, do you guys like have a will? And they're like, yep, yep. And I was like, what's in it? And they're like, oh, you don't need to worry about that. And I was like, I actually want to know like, what's in it? Like, and they were like, oh, well, you know, you'll just split that between. And I was like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm like, what are your requests? Like, how would you like us to do this and celebrate you? And what would you like us to do with your home and all of your things? And, you know, because my parents still live in our home that we grew up in. I've had two houses. So one from birth till about maybe year five. And then they're still in that second home. My dad is Italian. And it's like, he will never, like, he, I'm like, dad, you need to downsize and you've got a lot of stuff. And he's like, I could never get rid of this home because it's like, it's his everything. There's so many memories in there. And so I was saying to him, like, what do you want us to do with all this stuff? Like, how, you know, what do you want to do? And he was like, oh, I won't care. Like, you know, and I'm like, but these are things that we need to talk about. And I want to respect and honor you. And so, I want everyone listening to think about this for themselves. Think about creating a spiritual will for themselves and also, you know, asking your parents, have they got one in place or what would they love? Because it really can be a beautiful celebration of their existence. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It can be what feels true to that person and to you guys in the family. And it can be whatever it wants to be. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, I think so. There are no
1: hard and fast rules. And I'm the same with my parents. I'm always on their case now, mm-hmm. especially because, as I said, we never really talked about it. But now it's like, come on, guys, we've done your wills, some your spiritual wills, let's pre-plan everything. And and now, like, the whole family is quite funny. Like, everyone's really comfortable with it because we're talking about it so much, you know. I think a lot of people, the biggest barrier as well is, oh, I don't know how I would sit down with my parents and actually ask them like this stuff. I get that so much. And, you know, it can just be as simple as having like a nice family dinner, like you normally would. And just being like, Oh, Hey mom, like I listened to this podcast or i heard this thing. And they were talking about, you know, just getting some ideas about what, what you want when you're when you dive, you guys had a thought about that? Like, like it can be really casual. Mm. And then that just opens the door. You might be met with, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to think about that. Or you might think, Oh, well, if they feel like, Oh, you're comfortable to talk about it. then it's a safe space. And then the more you talk about it, the more it just kind of becomes
0: the norm. And it's, it's, yeah, you can yeah. then start to explore things. Exactly. What we did with ours. So ours is all up to date. We've got all the letters in there, all our wishes. We've got what we're going to do with all of our assets. And then, you know, we have a couple of copies. One copy is in Nick's parents safe in their house. We've got a digital copy. We've got a copy at our house. A cop- like so. And we told my parents and Nick's parents, and we said, here's our wills. We've got one in the safe here. We've got one here. We've got one here. We've got one here and we've got one here. And they were like, okay, cool. Like, great. Like, you're prepared. Like, it's organized. And granted, Nick is one of the most organized people I know. So I'm so grateful that he took control over that and put that into action because it really does just make the process so much easier for the people who, you know, have to organize everything and they can do it in a way that truly honors you and your essence.
1: Yeah. I think that's the key. It's so, at the time, it's like one of those things like consolidating your super, where it
0: kind of just (laughs) gets stashed
1: in the too hard
0: basket.
1: But when you do it, it's such a sense of fulfillment. Like you must feel so great now knowing that that's all taken care of. Your family have a sense of relief because they're like, amazing. Let's hope nothing ever happens to them. But if it does, it's, it's just now all of the guesswork is taken out of it and it does just make the process as I said on the other side so much easier so there's really no downside.
0: Yeah yeah I love that. I'd love to hear now related to this topic or not if you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world what book would you choose? Oh definitely The Language of Emotions by Carla
1: McLaren. It is mind-blowingly good and really it talks about she's an empath who can actually read the energy of emotions and then she goes through all of the emotions, anger, rage, you know, the the so-called good, so-called bad, of course there's no such thing, and what they're trying to tell you and what their purpose is and then the gifts of each emotion. So it is The most profound, beautiful book it's given, and then throughout the book there's exercises as well you can really do to kind of harness your emotions and learn to really have healthy emotions and process those emotions in a way that honours them but you're not suppressing them and you're not expressing them, especially in the form of, say, anger or rage you know a lot of people might suppress or express but if you express them you can hurt other people and if you suppress them you can you can hurt yourself essentially so she's like the key is really honoring honoring these emotions and she teaches you how to do that in the book and i found it so incredible for me so amazing for my children teaching them these important life skills so definitely that one
0: mhm beautiful i love that we'll link to that in the show notes as well what are your thoughts on death doulas? So I recently heard about death doulas. What are your thoughts on them? Because when, you know, I was looking at your work, I was like, oh, is she a death doula? Like, and then I was diving deeper into it. What are your thoughts on death doulas? Oh, I think it's
1: beautiful. I think it's, for those who don't know, a death doula is really like a, a birth doula where they will walk someone through the transition from life to death. So as they're dying, they, they work with the family to really help take those steps through from life through to death, through ritual, through even cleansing and bathing and lots of different ways. I think they're beautiful. I think it's if the family feels like it's the right fit for them, I think it's great service to have. I know that the palliative care are also incredible and a lot of them kind of do a lot of that dollar work as well and so it's kind of finding that right balance for you but it, I think a death dollar is a wonderful addition to the industry and can really bring that I guess more natural approach a lot of them definitely have a more natural approach to end of life so that might mean you know kind of letting the family know that when their loved one has died they can stay with them actually legally for up to five days you can have them at home if if at home you can have a person who has passed away at home for five days obviously you need cooling pads and there's a whole process I wouldn't recommend it especially in Queensland, five days is quite a long time. But you can, there's all these, there's things that people might not know. So they might really just want to have their loved one there. That time can be really sacred, even if it's just a few hours mm. to, to be with them and and just take that time to really process what's happened and, and help them transition. So yeah, I think that death doulas are a wonderful addition to the industry. And as a funeral director, I work with death doulas. It's almost like they then, pass on to me. So it's kind of passing the baton and then I take care of all the after death things. But I do work in that, in that space of, you know, before death as well. But yeah,
0: I think they're great. What are some of the spiritual and healthy practices that have really impacted your life? Oh, definitely meditation. I think that that's kind
1: of, I mean, that's a no brainer really. I think that it's just so grounding and helpful. And I do find that, especially as a mom, like, all of the life is busy, you know, and I find I really found it actually through COVID-19. I really went back to my meditation practice. I've been on and on, on and off with it for like 10 years. And I really found having that one consistent thing every day, just, I go into my day with so much clarity and calm and it just prepares me for the whole day. So that is definitely like my number one spiritual tool. Kinesiology as well. I have an amazing kinesiologist. She's in Sydney actually. And I work with her. She's just great in in clearing anything that comes up and working through any blockages that I have, which, you know, we're constantly reading. I'm constantly reading and learning. They're kind of my main spiritual tools now, I think. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I love that. And what you mentioned about meditation, really anchoring you during this time of uncertainty. Like humans thrive in routine. We thrive. And so I saw during COVID-19, a lot of people completely let their routines go and kind of go off the tracks. You know, lots of people coming to me and they're feeling so anxious, so depressed, so overwhelmed, so stressed. And I would say to them, okay, you need to, just because you're at home, doesn't mean you stop exercising and stop meditating and looking after yourself. And once they started to implement those healthy habits back into their life, they felt like they were thriving. So I love that you said that. I love that, you know, it really helped you during this time of uncertainty for me too, like meditation is, you know, my number one tool. It really grounds me. It's how I start every day. And it really is such an incredible tool to really help you connect inward and feel centered and find your North Star, you know, it's especially during these times of uncertainty. And I can imagine with death as well, you know, when someone you love passes on, that's an incredible time to stick on your meditation path. Because I know for me, it really did anchor me, you know, when my best friend passed away. There was so much sadness and so much grief and so much pain. And I still did my meditation because it helped anchor me back to my center. So I just want to encourage everyone, you know, if you are going through something challenging, whether it's a death or COVID-19 or anything, a health challenge, a financial challenge, whatever it is, sticking to that meditation or that other healthy ritual or habit, whether it's surfing or walking in nature, if you can, whatever it is, sticking to that will really help you move through this phase with as much ease and grace as possible.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that and I I actually was talking at the beginning of COVID when all of the restrictions started to happen and there was so much uncertainty. I really felt like there was this sense of collective grief. Like people mm. were like, "I I just feel out of control. I don't know what's going on. I feel all my people say, people coming to me saying, all my anxiety is coming up or I feel really sad. And I came to realize this is grief. People Mm -hmm. are experiencing grief. We had lost so much. We'd lost our way of life as we knew it. We'd lost the sense of kind of certainty for the future that, you know, life kind of was carrying on, but suddenly it wasn't. One day, everything that we knew was taken away, and you know, with the restrictions and things like that. And it came to be that I saw this as grief. So whoever's listening, over the last few months, it's likely that you too have experienced grief. Mm. And even if you haven't lost someone in the traditional sense, but even this This whole situation has brought up all of the realities of grief, and it is so important to really anchor down and find the tools that work for you. melanite's absolutely meditation and and I know that is such a a common one there's something really grounding and just sitting there and being with that another great tool is breath work breathing through your grief and connecting to your breath can be so 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 powerful so there are so many tools and it's just about exploring and finding the right one for you to to process all of the things life especially now is so full on we are navigating new waters here and so a lot of kind of Things that you may have suppressed or pushed to the back are bubbling to the surface. So if you really feel like you're kind of floating in the waters and out of control at the moment, that's so normal. And honour all of those feelings and then, yeah, recognise this is grief. That's exactly what you're experiencing and and find those tools to,
0: to come back into yourself. Beautiful. Some other great tools are tapping, EFT, and I had Nick Ortner, the creator and owner of Tapping Solutions on my podcast. So I'll link to that in the show notes and you can do a free tapping session with him. Tapping is incredible. And like you said, kinesiology is also incredible. And you mentioned breathwork and I've just had Wim Hof on my podcast. So I am a huge fan of breathwork. And I also just had Gwyneth Paltrow's energy healer, Dr. John Amaral on the podcast. And he says there's three things that you need to release stored energy in your body. So, you know, grief is a stored emotion that we might be holding on to. Maybe we feel it around our heart space. Maybe we feel it in our gut. And he said in order to release the energy out of your body, because you don't want to hold anything in, you don't want to harbor anything. You don't want to harbor anger, rage, frustration, sadness, anything you want them to release. And he said there's three things that we need to consider and that is our breath number 1 and then sound and movement so instead of just breathing in deeply and like just out like that he's like make a sound on the exhale so ah. and then he also said add in movement so maybe you want to like tense up all your body and tense everything and breathe in and then when you exhale you just let it go and drop your arms or something so Adding in those three elements is a really incredible way to release that stored energy, that blocked energy in our body so that we can move forward. This isn't about suppressing the grief or the anger or whatever. I'm not about that. I'm about feeling it, but then releasing it. That is key.
1: Yeah, that's so good. That's some great
0: advice. That's really might implement that one myself. (laughs) Definitely. All right, beautiful. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Exercise. Love it. I thought you were going to say meditation. Seems like we were just banging on and on about it, but mix it up. I love it. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth, so more abundance in all areas of our life? Just
1: create. Just create and
0: do it with love and good vibes. I love that. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Oh, hugs. I'm such a hugger and this time where I haven't been able to hug my friends. Mm. Oh,
1: man, I love a long, juicy squeeze, so bring in the
0: hugs, I say. Yes, I think I have read some science that you need 12 hugs a day to get the oxytocin release. So, but they're got to be like 12 really good hugs. So like my brother, he lives in Italy, but when he's here, he'll come up to me and he'll be like, I'm up to nine, come here. And he like gives the best hugs ever. Like those really good juicy bear hugs. And so, yeah, I really miss those as well. I really miss them. But if you've got a partner or kids or even fur babies, get in some hugs with them and get up to your quota of 12 a day. I love that. (laughs) Yaz, is there anything else you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that we didn't get to talk about that you wanted to share?
1: I mean, I think we covered some great ground today and I just really, my intention with coming on here was just to help spread the word that death can be this really of course it's sad and it is scary but it can also be this really beautiful empowering tool that we can use to deepen our spiritual practice and to also just on a really practical level ease some of the burden and stress on our family when the time does come and and i just think it's yeah it's important it's helped me and hopefully it will help everyone listening too
0: yeah it's such an important thing that we need to look at not suppress and actually look at it so Thank you for the work that you do. You are helping so many people. You're a beautiful human. You have such a big heart and such a bright light and you serve and help so many people. So I want to know what can I and the listeners do to serve you? How can we give back to you today? Oh, wow. That's nice. Thank you. (laughs) I think just, yeah, spreading the word about rite of passage funerals.
1: I think the more people that know about this service and that know that there is a different way to honour life and death is definitely number one. Talk to your parents about planning their funerals and my e-course covers just that, so how to create an unforgettable funeral. And, you know, if it
0: resonates with you, absolutely join me. I would love to have you. That's so lovely. Well, we'll link to everything in the show notes that you have mentioned your downloads, your e-course, everything, and people can check you out. So thank you, honey. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for being here and for being the beautiful light during a challenging time for a lot of people. So thank you, my love. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Pretty powerful stuff, huh? I'm sure a lot of you haven't thought about death or dying or spiritual wills, and I really hope this episode has opened your eyes and inspired you to look at that area and to set yourself up with your own spiritual will. If this episode resonated with you, please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. It also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. If you loved today's episode, please come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top three key takeaways from this episode. I love reading every single one of them. So come and share them with me. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at MelissaAmbrosini.com forward slash 334. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. You are brave. You are courageous. You are amazing. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.